Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. And in today's episode, I chat with Trevin Wax. Trevin is a really interesting and awesome guy to, to chat with. We talk about his time in Romania and life without indoor plumbing and how he was immersing himself in the community, working side by side, but then also studying and preaching and really just embodying that, that lifestyle. We talk about uh, today's life of uncertainty, and he brings in scripture on how to live today as a disciple in the, in the midst of our society, uh, from smartphones to politics. All that is discussed in his book, This Is Our Time. And he breaks down a sneak peek into this book about gospel myths and how we can write a better story. Trevin is now the Bible and reference publisher for Lifeway, managing editor of the Gospel Project, a pastor, a podcaster, and an author. And one interesting quote and really inspiring quote as well is, if this is really true, then this changes everything. And that's on Christianity in general. Look forward to this episode, so tune in. Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined um, with Trevin Wax. So thanks so much for joining, Trevin. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. As I normally kick off and, you know, as, as I'd like to continue, uh, just by opening up in prayer. So I can, can open us up and then at the end of the podcast, uh, if you wouldn't mind closing us, that would be excellent. Sure. Perfect. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, just grateful and thankful for the opportunity to to connect with Trevin this morning um, and hear from him as you know he's down in Tennessee and I'm up here in Washington DC um, so I just pray for for a fruitful and, and genuine conversation where we're able to to really hear you and, and hear through you and 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 just be be listeners and be listeners as as we're speaking at the same time so I I, I pray for um, just great conversation and the ability to just have a, a very good dialogue with Trevin. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Well, great. Um, to get things started, I, I you know, th- there's there's a lot of folks who, you know, might not be familiar with you and, you know, just c- kind of want to want to know a bit more about what you've been up to and what you're, what you're you know, a, a bit more about your story. So can you kind of start off by by telling us uh, some of your background and you know going back to to when you're you know to your childhood and your upbringings in Christianity and um, how you found yourself into the different positions um, where you are today and I'm not going to list them all so I'll, I'll let you do that too. Uh, yeah, um, so I I grew up in uh, Middle Tennessee, um, was churched from even before I was. Um, uh, born if you want to consider me going in my in the womb of my mother to yep. to uh to church every week so uh was uh at a very young age uh, came to realize that i needed jesus christ to, to be my savior um was baptized a few years after that when i was when i was eight and uh i grew up in a in a pretty conservative and independent baptist church 
uh, for the first years of my life. That's where I, I got a lot of Bible knowledge and uh, really uh, started to, to understand the, the gospel. My parents went, they, they joined a, a church plant, a, a Southern Baptist church plant um, after, after that. And when I was about in, I guess I was fourth grade at the time. And um, so really from there, I, you know, just was growing in my faith and understanding more of what, what God expected of me. And uh, I was starting to get into um, his word on my own. And so by the time I was a teenager, I really, I, I mean, I, I believe I was, I, I was uh, born again or, as a young child, but it was when I was a teenager that I really started to take the faith even more seriously and, and realize that, you know, if this is, if this is really true, it changes everything about my life, my trajectory, the decisions that I'm going to make, you know, what, what the future is going to look like, all of those kinds of things. Um, and about that time as well, I started taking mission trips to Romania um, with uh, different groups from my church. So every year we would have a group that would go over on a, a short-term trip, either, you know, a week and a half, two weeks or, or so. We, we did all sorts of things. We did evangelism. We did uh, um church leader training. We did um, medical work, uh, fitted people for eyeglasses, um, did a lot of dental work. I mean, all sorts of things in, in those years. And by the time I finished high school, I, I took a gap year before anybody called it that uh, because mm-hmm. I, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do yet. I, I wanted to go to college, but I wanted to pay for it. And so I was trying to figure out how I, you know, I thought I would stay home, work a year and then, and then go. And it was during that year that got that God really got a hold of me and um, redirected my path toward Romania as this is where you need to go and this is where you need to do your undergrad work, you get your college education at a Christian university there, this is where you need to do ministry. And so it was full on immersion. 19 years old, I bought a one-way ticket, moved there, and really for the bulk of five years, that was home base. Um, I got married over there, we had our first son during that five-year period when we were living in Romania. So. Uh, so um, that that five years was crucial, crucial to just my ministry ministry development, but also just personally and spiritually. And I, th- there's nothing like that sort of cross cultural immersion um, to really open your eyes to a lot of things that are happening in your own in your own country, also in your own heart, and and kind of being able to see things from different from different angles. So uh, so that that was then. I went. Uh, I came back home with uh, my wife and our oldest son um, after I graduated from university there and came came back to um, the United States, went to Southern Seminary, was on campus there for uh, about 18 months, and then I was an associate pastor for four years at a church in Shelbyville, Tennessee, uh, which is about an uh, hour, hour and 15 minutes south of Nashville, and uh, during that time finished up my, 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 uh, my degree there, and then uh, wound up seven years ago this month going to Lifeway to help start a curriculum called the Gospel Project, and the Gospel Project is uh, w- was something that I, I devoted most most of about five years to uh, while I was at Lifeway. Now I'm serving as Bible and reference publisher there. Um, I do I oversee Bible translation commentaries, uh, things that we we publish at Lifeway that have to do with uh, with Scripture. And, um, so yeah, I mean, that's along the way I've, I've always been a writer, so I've been, you know, Mm -hmm. writing blogs and I've I've written some books and, and things like that. So, um, all of that kind of comes together and we've got three kids now, 
our oldest is um, in middle school, so we're, you know, move, moving along, um, trying to, to keep up. So I, I guess that's about about as quick of a tour as I can get. You know, <laughs> kind of my background and where I've how gotten to where I am. No, that, that's 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 excellent. Uh, it's a very um, you know a very thorough, but also kind of brief too. So it's you know I think that's a perfect length. I appreciate it. Um, I, I, I want to kind of freeze in on, on your time in, in Romania and actually, you know, those, those mission trips that I, I guess that, you know, partially, I guess, help, you know, help that or ease you into that, you know, that, that much more immersive experience. So, um, you know, I, I think when, when, when folks hear, uh, you know, service trips, um, you know, whether it's, you know, through their church or through, you know, different organization, um, you know, what, what kind of advice would, would you have for folks who are maybe, you know, interested in, in considering doing a service trip and, you know, and, and kind of how or and, and, and how important that is for, you know, for, for your faith and, and for kind of putting your faith in action? Well, there's, I mean, there's difference of opinion on mm-hmm. uh, as to, to whether or not or just how effective uh, short-term mission trips are. Um, and I've, uh, you know, having been over overseas where I've hosted a lot of teams from the United States or England and other places, I, I can definitely see why there is mixed opinion because there are some trips and teams that are amazing. And then there are others that are just that, that really actually do in some ways you could say do more harm than good where mm-hmm. there's a lot of cleanup that has to happen after uh, the, the people left. So I, I am, I, I totally understand why there are people that say, you know what, why don't we devote all of these resources from short-term missions into those who are there long-term, who really know the culture, um, it, you know, and even rising, raising up indigenous leaders who really who know their culture even better than in, you know someone from the West does. So I totally understand that that back and forth. Uh, but I I think that it's kind of a both-and situation. There is a lot of good that happens in in short-term trips when they're done well. When they're done to assisting, that when when the whole purpose of it is to assist long-term um, ministry partners um, to really to really help facilitate the, and help with the needs that are actually there, that the not that the people that are going see the need to be, but the people that are on the ground there all the time tell you what the need is. I think I think those can be really helpful, and I also think short-term trips. I know that they can be expensive, but they. A lot, in fact, most of the long-term missionaries that I know started out by doing service trips or short-term missions, right? So that's mm-hmm. kind of how they got to know what what the experience would be like, and and it's it's how they also developed a real heart for the nations, for what God is doing in other parts of the world. So, yeah, you could say, yeah, it's a big investment of time and money, and it's true, and there could be in some ways a, a better, you know, if you're thinking kind of short term, I think you could say, yeah, there's there may be a better use of funds uh, for those funds. But when I think of the long term impact that the mission trips actually have on the people who go uh, when they're done well and when they truly are helpful, then um, there's really nothing quite like it. It, it, mm-hmm. it can be a, a, a huge motivator for uh, missionary giving and missionary work in the future. So, so I am a a, a qualified. A, I'm 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 an advocate who's qualifying the advocacy a little bit by saying, yeah, there are some things that can can happen to make them not go well. But overall, I I think uh, they can be very very helpful, and so encourage people to try them. 
Awesome. Awesome. Um, so, you know, as, as a missionary and I guess, you know, from your experience, what was your, you know, main role and, and being, whether this is short-term or long-term, you know, are you there and just providing a lot of, a lot of service? Is there also an element of, you know, I guess, you know, teaching and, and, and preaching the gospel and kind of how does that breakdown look? Yeah. So for me, I was, I, I was first and foremost, I was a student at a Christian university. So yeah. I, I went over as a missionary slash student and I, mm-hmm. I really burrowed into one at, when I first got there anyway, to one particular church in a village outside of my city um, where I did a lot of mission work in that village. And I would, I would stay there, um, you know, on weekends and I would work, I, m- most of my, my work was devoted to the teenagers in that village at first. Um, that extended out to then the kids in the village. We, my wife and I actually, one of the ways we got to know each other was we, we helped start an Awana group there. Uh, that I just found out recently is still going. That Awana group is now the oldest or longest consecutive going Awana group in in Romania right now. It's been going for 16 years, and kids are coming to Christ even this year uh, from that from that group. So very very exciting to know that 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 there's still fruit from that ministry that we we help start together. But um, so you know so we're doing work with teenagers, work with um, kids. A lot of village life is just actually living and surviving so i mean not all of the time that i was spending in the village you know like the 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 home that i lived at um that in in year one i mean we we didn't have indoor plumbing okay so it was like there's and and when it's farm season just everybody's out you know harvesting potatoes and then you've got people down the street that are you know you've got kids that are nine years old that you're brought to bring to one and stuff but they also are shepherds and they have to like be out with the sheep and stuff so like you've got all of that kind of just that sort of um agrarian society feel that's also i mean but you're in the 21st century and so there's all sorts of um uh, you know move to the city for a lot of people and so uh, all that to say is i mean a lot of life in a village like that is is just doing what you need to do in order to survive and to Mm. to be a help so (laughs) i really burrowed into that kind of that culture and and help work alongside people and whatnot so i'd have credibility when I would speak of spiritual things they also knew that I'm you know I'm right there alongside them helping in other uh, other aspects of just everyday life so um so kids ministry student ministry but after about year one though I did start preaching regularly over there and I and I preached um I, I would wind up going from different churches in the villages around that area to generally there are more churches than pastors due to the shortage due to the communist time there's a long story behind that but so you wind up, and, and most churches and villages are very, very poor and can't really afford a full-time kind of pastor anyway. So you have a lot of bivocational people, and they may actually be the pastor at two or three churches, where they're, you know, they'll they'll rotate and try to go around, kind of like kind of like the circuit riding style back in in um, uh, older days in, in America and in the UK. So. Um, I, I tried to go and be there whenever like the main pastor wasn't there to where I could preach and I could teach and just keep help them to, to keep momentum and good solid teaching and things like that. And so that, that was another aspect of a ministry and, um, and then also assisting with teams when they would come over. So yeah, we did, you know, we would do medical work and, um, uh, dental clinics and uh, kids clinics and things like that um, and then and put evangelism and outreach kind of together with that so you'd have almost crusade type atmospheres in some of the villages that we would work in and once I knew the language it was great because I could I could go back and forth and I could really I could really be a 
a, a good link between the kind of the Americans and their mindset, but then also uh, the Romanians and I and I knew what was going on, kind of what 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 things look like on the ground over there. So that that kind of gives you a, a a feel for the the kind of work that I was doing. Wow, no, uh, that's that's awesome. So you know, it sounds like the the folks over there then were quite receptive and, and you know quite welcoming to to you not only as just as a person but also as a pastor too um you know and I, I think that's you know that's that's really encouraging i think um I'll, you know for you know for myself and for a lot of folks who go overseas you know one of the worries you have is that you you're you're going to feel kind of like an outsider but i i think as you mentioned you're you're there to to really to just you know to help them and what, what, whatever, you know, whatever capacity or whatever, whatever need kind of, you know, God's, be, God's calling you to. So, you know, that, so it sounds like that wasn't a, a big challenge for you then? Well, I mean, there are definitely challenges with it all. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you learning another culture, you, you is very disorienting, yeah. you know? Um, I mean, you're, there are things that you have never thought to question about your own background or your own culture because they're just they've just been things you've assumed because this is kind of what's normal that suddenly are up in the air and you realize oh they're just different ways of thinking and doing mm-hmm. and living and you know um and, and not necessarily like better or worse or anything like that just just different you know different cultures and, and whatnot so uh it, it was disorienting at times you know it there and there's a, certainly a, an element of homesickness that's there even when you have really good friends and i did i did have really good friends when i was there um you, you, an, an element of homesickness i think can 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 show up and and that's not that's not surprising but yep. especially around you know certain holidays and, and things like that um it, it was a little easier after i after i was married and you know uh, mm-hmm. we were kind of establishing our family there um but but yeah that was the uh it, it was definitely uh there, there were its challenges during yeah. during that yeah. time but I, I was blessed to have people around me that were uh, strong and supportive okay awesome yeah no great um so you mentioned, you know, during during this time, I think there was a, f- a few things that that started to emerge, and I think have to have come, you know, into your life now. And um, you know that there was, I, I think, one of them was was journaling and just being and and writing. And that's something that you know I've I've had a lot of folks in the podcast and folks I encounter. They, I, I think that's kind of an overwhelming trait and character, you know, and something that people do. And you know, I. I don't think it's by by you know by my personal outreach and seeking out the, these people, but I think it, this is something that is you know pretty intertwined in 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 faith and just you know being being part of you know your your journey with Christ. So I want to know kind of um, you know I guess the importance of journaling for you, um, and then kind of how that 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 sparked you into your into your books, um, and then it, you know and in, in, in particular one of your most recent ones, uh, this is our time. Um, and I want to also know kind of the, the biggest question or problem, um, that, that caused you to write this book. Yeah. So I mean, journaling is something I did in, in my later years of high school and into, you know, probably the first three years of my time in Romania. Um, it's, it's not something I do as often now as I, as I used to, but I, I have, you know, just hundreds and hundreds of pages of kind of what was going on. Um, and it was, a, it was something of a spiritual discipline that I did for a long time because, um, it, it, the thing about it is when you're taking stock of your day and you're writing down what happened in every day is you, you come to view your life as part, as a narrative, as a story. And I think we all do this anyway, intuitively, most of us do, mm-hmm. but journaling it really kind of solidifies your, your day. Cause you're, 
if you think of your life as progressing toward a goal, whether it be Christ-likeness or ministry, you know, uh, opportunities and successes and failures and things, if you're looking at your life in that kind of, and you're judging it by something, then you're looking at your days as contributing to that or as setbacks for that. So you're you're beginning to chart a narrative, and you're and you can't help but every single day be be putting that into the 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 greater context of the story that's being written. And so I think that's where the real value of that comes. Um, for me, writing though goes way back before journaling. I was writing ever since I was uh, a little kid. Um, I was a, I, I, I did creative writing in high school. Um, I I love I, I love telling stories. I love uh, writing down thoughts that help me crystallize my thinking on certain things. And so um, I writing is just it's it's just a discipline and a, a passion that I've had as long as I can remember almost. So um, the, the journaling was just one aspect hmm. of, okay. of what is generally me, me just writing, writing a lot. Um, and, and that leads to, you know, the, the most recent book, This Is Our Time, is really focused on, um, you know, our current moment in, in 21st century North America. What does it mean to be a disciple right now, right here? We can be overwhelmed a lot of times. We're confused. we got a lot of messages bombarding us. And I talk to people and, I mean, and just, you know, people in church and stuff, and they're like, you know, I want to be faithful to the Lord. I don't really know exactly what that looks like. You know, what does it look like when it comes to, you know, my 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 use of technology, smartphones, things like that? What does it look like when, when it comes to my entertainment choices? What does it look like when it comes to how I conceive of my life or my job, my career, success, um, consumerism, shopping, uh, politics, you know, like my political engagement? You know, how does a what what is the, the the way we are right now what does it look like when it comes to uh, sex and marriage and family and all all those kinds of things mm-hmm. and so that that was really the heartbeat behind this book was to say you know uh, a lot of people are uncertain right now and they they feel like the, the ground is shifting so rapidly because culture has changed so fast that they're they're trying to get their bearings and to figure out okay what what does faithfulness look like and that's what I wanted to do with the book was give a uh, a basic primer and say, Okay, this isn't everything. This isn't exhaustive, but here, here are here's some things you need to know about this time that we live in, um, and here are some places you need to know where the the world is going to come up against the Christian faith, and then also some opportunities that we have in this era that may not have been as as visible in other generations that we need to really seize the moment on, and and in order to be faithful to to God's mission. Well, awesome. Yeah, and and, and I absolutely agree, and and I and I can feel that I you know myself living in. Washington DC and and it's you know I, I think we're at the kind of the, the epicenter of you know shifting times or at least it feels like it um, and I think there definitely is a lot of question and where I think where you know where faith is right now and where faith is going and, and how to be I guess a, you know a true disciple and, and be part and really be part of you know his story and you know th- you know th- through it all so um, I, I want to know I you know I, I in the book that you mentioned um, you know, gospel, gospel myths and, you know, our beliefs. And so I wanted to know, you know, why, I guess one example of a gospel myth, you know, why it's a myth and then kind of how the gospel tells a better story. Yeah. So I'm, when I'm, I'm, I'm tracing myths in society, my, my idea is to say, okay, what are some of the, the big stories that people live by where people think this is good news? Um, and, and really will stake their lives on things. And then I want to show, how it's not what people think. Um, it, it actually is it, it's not going to ever deliver on the promises that they are uh, that they uh, are, are hoping it'll deliver on. 
and then to show how the gospel tells a better story. So, Mm, uh, I mean, there's multiple ones we could turn to, but I mean, I would say one of the biggest ones, um, some of the research that I pull out of the book, is that the vast majority of Americans today believe that the highest goal of life is enjoying yourself, finding whatever makes you happy and satisfied, and then pursuing it to to the fullest, finding out what you desire the most and going after it. Um, 91% of Americans say to look, to, to find yourself, uh, you must look inside yourself, right? Like you, mm-hmm. like it's this sort of, I've got to figure out who I'm supposed to be, express that to the world, uh, and whatever brings me joy and fulfillment in life, that's the purpose of life, and you've got to discover that. Um, that is a a myth because um, first of all, we we don't our 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 hearts are full of competing desires. We we don't always know what we want the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if we did, that can change from from time to time. And even people who pursue what they want the most, uh, oftentimes when they get what they were going for, are disappointed because it hasn't brought satisfaction like they like they hoped, uh, like they expected it to. And so. Um, so this idea that enjoyment is the highest goal of life, whereas scripture would teach that the, you know, the, the, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, as you know, the old catechism says, uh, that that's the, the highest purpose of life. We are far removed from that. And if you look at the stats, even most Christians, most Christians, church-going Christians, not just those who check Christian on a survey, church-going Christians also affirm uh, what the world does when it comes to the purpose of life. So that is an overarching myth that has to be countered in our churches, not simply in a way that where where as, as Christians we're kind of beating up on that view of life, but where we understand what that is, we recognize it when we see it, we understand that it's false and that it's not going to actually bring fulfillment and satisfaction. And then we tell we show how the gospel is more refreshing, is better, tells a better story, is a word for the weary and the heavy laden in, in a time when everyone is is trying to to be themselves, find themselves, express themselves, that that sort of exhausting pursuit is is something that the gospel frees us from. Um, we, we've got to become better storytellers if we're going to be to be faithful. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So I don't know if you mentioned this in your in your book or you know you have, you have any insights on this, but I, I guess what are some some practical ways then to to try and understand and, and kind of put to action um, you know how we can just you know I, I guess start to to live away from this belief or away from this myth yeah i'm i mean if you notice like in the book that um every chapter is a different sphere of life so i mean the first chapter is about the smartphone which because i think it's the closest thing to to kind of where we are um but every every um every chapter is a different sphere and the, and but what i'm what you find by by the end of every chapter generally is a set of habits and practices to put into to place because I, I don't think uh, it's just a matter of us as Christians kind of looking out there and saying, "Oh, we just need to know the right things, just you know, have the right worldview, and then this won't be a problem anymore." No, actually, our worldviews are formed by actions and by habits mm-hmm. and by behavior as much as anything else. So we've got to, we've got to. Yes, we need to change our minds, but we also need to change somehow, sometimes the way we walk. You know, what it looks like for us to walk through daily life. So. Uh, that's what I'm I'm focusing on in the in the book is giving those practices. And one of the things you'll notice if you read the book, uh, if any of the listeners pick it up, they'll notice that a lot of the practices that I'm talking about in the book are not things you only do on your own. There is a church wide kind of communal aspect and community focus to this 
that and I think and that's intentional and that's very important because uh, we we've got to as um, as believers recognize that we are not meant to be Christians on our own that a lot of what shapes us it happens in in community with other with other believers with other Christians so um, a lot of the the elements when I'm, I'm giving some practical advice there um, have to do as much with how we live in community as they do with what we would do individually Great. Um, yeah, no, and I, I, I completely agree. And I, you know, I, I see that uh, time and time again in, in being part of community. And that's something that has, I think, uh, shaped the way shaped the way that I kind of see my personal journey, too, as it's a personal journey, but I, I'm going to do it with others as well. That's right. And, and ask the same, ask a lot of the same questions um, and, 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 you know, ask, ask those questions together. So I think um, the question I wanted to ask you and um, is, you know how how can how can people find these communities and how can they start to to really incorporate kind of God's intention of of how these communities should should act together? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think I think most people have got to start where they are. So, mm, okay. um, uh, some uh, sometimes people are hungry for a community that's going to hold them more accountable or that's going to be more involved. And and my my first response and, and a lot of people are may, they may be dissatisfied in the church that they're at. Um, or the, the, the community they're already part of because they're like, you know, this community really isn't cutting it for me in this way. And to that I want to say, okay, um, then go make the community that way. You know, do what you can to make your community what you believe it needs to be. If, if God gives you a burden for this, I mean, the last thing I would say is go leave and try to find a better one. Uh, I mean, there, there may be cases in which the Lord does lead you to another place, and I don't want to discount that, but um, I, I think that's a uniquely sort of American way of understanding the church. It's almost like, well, if, if almost like a, a consumeristic mindset of, well, if this place isn't meeting my needs, I go find this place or I go to this mm-hmm. place. Well, uh, you know, I, I, I was having, um, uh, I, I got together with um, a guy in my church um, who came up through college ministry at our church just a couple weeks ago, and. Um, and he was talking about just how amazing the college experience had been. And he started naming off names of people who made it like he goes, it was such a an environment where people poured into us and welcomed us and made us and really like raised the bar for what they expected of us. And he was talking just about the 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 sheer power of that community formation that happened during that college ministry. Um, and I was really excited to hear that. Um, but then he, but also, I mean, now, you know, they've got, he's married, they have a child, you know, they're moving to a different stage of life and they feel a little bit of that sense of loss that they don't have that, like, like they at one time had, uh, with, when they were college ministry. And so my response to him was, okay. Um, so my question is, who are you going to make that experience alive for that's coming up behind you? Like, instead of thinking, oh, I had this experience and it was wonderful and I, I miss it, say, okay, you realize unless you become like some of the people you've named to me, for other people, no one else will have that experience behind you. Like at some point, we have to become mature enough as disciples and followers of Jesus to where the pouring into people is as much life-giving and joy-giving as what we feel like we're getting out of, of other of community experiences. And so I, I encourage people that are, are, you know, maybe dissatisfied or they may feel like, you know, it, things are not really how they should be at our church to, to really jump in and to figure out, OK, how do I how do I make it be that way? What what part do I play in actually creating this environment? You know, it's 
it's kind of like every year, you know, grandma does her big Christmas lunch, right? And, you know, people bring stuff, but grandma does the big ham and she does the, the, the casseroles or stuff, or, you know, Christmas lunch is great at grandma's house. And then at some point, grandma's getting up in years or something and people around the table, you know, kids and grandkids have got to realize, you know, grandma's not going to be able to do this forever. Um, Unless we get going on this, this amazing thing that she loves to pour out for everybody is going to stop someone's going to have to do this, right? And so yeah, it's going to yeah. have to create this experience to pass it on. I kind of think of discipleship a lot like that. Uh, people pour into you, and that's wonderful, and you need to have people pouring into you, but then you have to be looking for ways to pour into other people. Otherwise, you're short-circuiting what God intends to do through you. Wow, no, that's awesome. And I, and I love that example, too. And, you know, I, I'm laughing as I hear it because I'm like, well, that, you know, that's very true. You know, grandma's going to have to pass the torch to, to somebody else to, to, you know, to carry this on because it's it's so important. Right. And this is, you know, it's, and I love the example of the ham, too, because that's that's the, you know, the, I guess the 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 centerpiece of, of what you'll be eating. And that's the, you know, the, the biggest thing. So you have to you have to keep and in, in, in carry on these um, just, you know, I guess this this lifestyle and this practice um, to those, you know, either beside you or, or, or you know, that are uh, coming up underneath you? Well, for some reason, people, that it's human nature. Like, I, okay, fast forward, let's say grandma is too sick or she's died, and you've got people sitting around the table talking about, oh, what, what those days were like when grandma did her big ham and we all got around. At some point, someone needs to raise the hand and say, we can do this, guys. It's not that it's going to be the exact same thing, right? Because personalities are different, and you're thankful for people that God abused in your life. But at some point, someone's got to raise their hand and say, "Why are we bemoaning the loss of this? We can create this, you know." And mm-hmm. and I feel like with church, it's this, it's similar with discipleship and with church. Um, don't bemoan the loss or the the lack of a culture that you think needs to be there. See how God wants to through His Spirit help you energize you to help create that culture that environment yeah. and I, I think that's really where we've got to go into active mode rather than passive mm-hmm. so yeah no that's that's awesome and, and and that actually kind of leads me into my next question too and um I did, i'm sure this has been on your mind at a lot of a lot of folks in the country is you know these 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 mass shootings and you know and then these different uh, terrorist attacks that have been happening to our country and and i know i mean for me this is something that is I think it's just it's it's you know it's it's more prevalent now and more known now than I think it's ever been and this this could be just an understanding for me of where I'm kind of stepping into this this knowing and just kind of seeing how these different actions um, implicate you know so many lives around around these folks and these communities and kind of the, the, our country at large um, but uh, I I, I kind of I want to hear your to you know hear your opinion and how you're I think making sense of what's been going on uh, across our country and in the world, and and then also, can we, you know, how can we, how can we take this? I think this kind of principle of all right, well, you know, what what was working or you know what what was going on before, we have to we have to change our mindset and almost kind of like that example you use, like we we somebody else has to to take responsibility now, and and and, and that somebody else is each one of us. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously we're we're in a in a very difficult state um, when it comes to to the the state of our country, and I, I think a lot of this goes back to the um, uh, there, there's a there's a loss of meaning in in society uh, that happens in a in a secularizing kind of country, and in one like ours where you also have like the Second Amendment, and you've got uh, 
Um, you, we, we, America has a has a gun culture that's um, compared to a lot of other countries in the world just seems a little strange, a little weird. And the part of that goes back to to our our self understanding, uh, the history of our country, how our country came to be, um, and so you know, so there's a lot of debate right now over specific actions that can be taken when it comes to um, uh, uh, you know weapons and and guns and things um, as to well that's going to, to solve to solve this problem um, but at the same time I mean we're you're having truck attacks and you're having all sorts of things so we, we recognize you know sure there may be things that can be done in the short term to resolve some situations but at the end of the day we, we have a problem that goes back to um, I think the, the the loss of meaning and significance and the sort of despair that follows up from that um, I think that's something that is leading that leads people into militant ideologies like um, uh, ISIS and in place like in places like that. So um, a lot of people in our world immediately assume that most of the problems in our world go back to economics, right? If people just had enough comforts and if they had their money and if they had enough, then you know they'd be at least satisfied and they wouldn't do atrocious kind of evil things. And you know it's it's that there's not enough jobs. That's why people are running to ISIS and things like that. Um, as Christians, I think we have to step back and say, no, there's actually more in the human heart. There's more desire uh, in the human heart than just for wealth and comfort. Um, and so that's why that doesn't actually bring complete satisfaction in, in the lives of people that have those things. Um, that there is there are spiritual voids that need to be filled. And if they're not filled by, by truth, they're going to be filled by, by falsehood and by hatred and by um, – um, ideologies that, that do damage to people. So um, it's often been said, you know, um, ideas have consequences. Um, bad ideas have victims. And I, 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 I think there's a lot of truth in that. And part of us as, as Christians in our society is in order to be faithful in these times, I think, is to, um, to, to be the ones who show that there is something bigger than politics. There are solutions that are more important and more than, than just political solutions. That we can't we can't look to to, um, uh, to to government as the as the savior in, in a lot of these cases. Um, are are there things that can be done? That you know, are there certain actions that we should take? I think different Christians could have different opinions on on you know the on on some of these specifics. But when it comes to the overarching malaise in our society, the the kind of um, decadence and decay that we see in certain segments um, that is something that we have to to look at and we have to understand there are spiritual roots in, in those mm-hmm. yep I, I completely completely agree and I and I, I was actually you know I, I spoke with somebody um, um, in my last podcast Eric Tietzel in, uh, in, in Kansas and, and he was and he was chatting about you know there's there's some research coming out at, at Georgetown that that actually shows that um, religious freedom um, and ends up leading or, or being the 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 cause of um, economic prosperity and and, and um, human rights development too. So I, I think I think there's I think sometimes we we look at kind of you know government or, or something else maybe a bit more you know or as you said like the kind of you know these these are our savior. Whereas mm-hmm. I think we, we kind of have to flip the switch a little bit and 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 kind of change change the way that we think and, and how we perceive um, the the power of the government. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. I, I think I think we've got to to be able to to push people to something that's more transcendent than than politics. Mm. Um, it, politics are important. They just mm-hmm. need to be demoted to a proper place rather yep. than sort of the, the be all and end all of of everything that could possibly happen to help in, in society. Sure. Um, well, well, great. So I, I, just a few a few last questions, and one of them then is, with, with this being said, and just kind of your your, your general mantra and, and the way that you like to live, um, you know, is it, is it safe to say that that you are hopeful then for the future, and that's that's kind of one of your one of your guiding principles that you you hold tight, but also you know share with others as well. Yeah, hopeful for sure. Um, you know, optimistic in the short term. I'm not sure. I would say I'm I'm optimistic or pessimistic. I I think. People okay. that are generally optimistic or pessimistic are probably uh, more formed by by certain trajectories than they are uh, what we believe to be the Christian uh, uh, that the the most important central element of Christianity, and that is resurrection. So, you know, it wasn't really an optimistic moment when Jesus was crucified on Friday, but um, the, the 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 Christian hope is is hope and resurrection that came that came Sunday or in the same thing for us uh, that understand the, the whole story of the Bible and where things are going so being hope filled does not mean that you're naive that you're Pollyanna that you don't see anything mm-hmm. ominous on the horizon it, it means that no matter how difficult the struggle may be you haven't lost sight of the end goal and you haven't lost sight of and you haven't lost faith that that God is going to accomplish good things. And so I'm definitely hopeful when I look uh, over it, out, out at, at our world, and I I believe as Christians we that that's that's the right answer. We have to be hopeful. That's that's one of the the virtues uh, yep. that you know faith, hope, and love are are cardinal virtues for for the Christian life. Mm-hmm. And, and I and I appreciate that 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 distinction too of you know of hope in the, the future and the long term, but then also um, looking at the short term and, and you know being kind of you know neither optimistic nor pessimistic um that's right so i appreciate the distinction um last uh last few questions uh, i just want to know kind of kind of go back to to square one you know advice you have for others who are to look or looking to get started and and learn more about about jesus um i you know there's just so many good resources out there right now i i always i always tell people you know don't don't do this on your own uh go into a a, a congregation um talk to people who know you um i i generally like i have i have good resources that i recommend people i i think of some of tim keller's research uh, uh books like the reason for god and you know making sense of god and things that are really helpful for mm-hmm. for those who may be coming out of a more secular mindset um and, and i I can think of, of people who, who really need a refresher in what the actual gospel is rather than just sort of religious observance, but need to understand the um, the, the beauty of, of Christ crucified and resurrected for us in our place on our behalf. Like I, I, I think of um, – so I'm generally one, though, who when, whenever I'm asked about a generic list of resources, I'm hesitant because I think mm-hmm. – even with the people that I know and that I talk to, I, I tend to, to pass out different books to different people or different resources online that I point people to different people based on kind of where I see them and what I would think their need would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I recommend people that are listening um, get to know people in a congregation, find someone that you respect and ask them, someone who knows you, um, ask them what what they think you ought to be reading or studying or I mean obviously the Bible is is number one but other things as you want to you know grow in your faith and you want to you, yeah. you know be able to um, to learn and grow 
uh, it's important for for people that know you to speak into your life. Mm-hmm. No, I, um, it, it, so it it sounds like you know really finding people where they are and 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 understanding what their needs are and what their what what you know would I think make the most sense for them. Um, at least that's that's been something that has kind of been on my heart recently. Is um, I think a lot of times we we come to find our our, our viewpoint and. And we we tend to you know put on or or or, or do these actions that aren't um, that are that are focused a little bit more on ourselves and not and we don't put ourselves in the shoes of other other folks. Yes, yes, uh, I think that I think that's really I, I think that's important. Um, and 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 also I I would I, I would say I mean I'm hoping that a book like This Is Our Time fits a need mm-hmm. generally across evangelicalism. That's why I wrote the book is because I'm hoping that it will help people have some tools and, and some ideas about what discipleship looks like in our in our day. But I also recognize it might not be the best entry point or best book for everyone to yeah. to use. So I, I that's why I recommend, you know, people that are um, that, that that know you well to speak into mm-hmm. into your life and, and to give you some of that counsel. Perfect. Um, I, and just, you know, to, to kind of close out, I want to know if there is anything else that, you know, you, you feel that people should know about you um, and, and just where people can, can find you as well. Uh, people can find me at trevorwax.com. My blog is hosted by the Gospel Coalition. It will take you there if you go there. Um, I, you know, I, uh, I, I'm also a teaching pastor at my church, so I, I preach and teach 40 weeks a year and just love being able to get into God's Word and share that with congregation. And uh, I love it for my own personal spiritual development but then also for for our church as well um so uh you know the I, I'm, I'm hopeful that this conversation has been helpful and that people uh will have at least picked up a few things that they'll be able to, to take with them on their journey great well thanks so much um if you wouldn't mind just to, to to close this out if you could if we could wrap up in prayer that would be awesome sure father thank you so much for this time that Tyler and I've had. Thank you for all those who are listening. I pray, Lord, that you would um, um, bless those who are listening, that you would guide them, that you would help them uh, as they they seek to be faithful to you, Lord. I pray that you would um, uh, guide them in the in the right direction when it comes to uh, people that need to be in their life, resources that need to be in their life, things that would would aid them in their their spiritual journey. And Lord, I pray that uh, in all that we would be grateful for. Uh, the grace that we receive through your son and it's in his name we pray amen amen Amen. for tuning in to another episode of the Guys Like Us podcast. Today's chat with Trevin Wax was awesome. It was a pleasure having him on the show and seeing all that he is doing in his ministry. If you have any questions about this episode or would like to get in contact with Trevin, you can reach out to me directly or you can reach out to, to Trevin. My name is Tyler Brondick and I'm signing off the Guys Like Us podcast. Thank you and I'll look forward to seeing you next week.